0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension.
1: Welcome aboard, indeed.
0: I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening.
1: Yeah. Uh, This is another guest episode. Yes. Uh, This is the second time we're saying this because we just got 20 minutes in.
0: And then the program died.
1: Unexpectedly quit.
0: Yes. Yes. Thanks, um, Apple. Yeah. That's great. Justin Long did not warn me about this.
1: (laughs) Um, But uh, like I said, it's a guest episode. Yes. Uh, our guest is steven reedy
0: steven reedy hi how you doing there steven sorry about that before
1: yeah we
2: we just had the greatest 20 minutes in podcast history it was up there
0: i'd say top 10
2: you know it's if people were driving they would have had to pull over and just be in awe of how awesome those 20 minutes were that are now lost yeah they're gone
0: yeah i'm so if if i wasn't afraid of like ma- you know giving off a, like giving a bad impression i would be just hurling furniture and punching the screen of the computer i'd be very i'd just be very animated uh, <laughs> you know in my anger anyway so uh but you know what? we're gonna get past it right david uh yeah no grudges okay all right um <coughs> steven you're a filmmaker you know what? I did this last time. I did this exact thing where I just decided to attack you with information about yourself. <laughs> um, but you, okay, so you are a filmmaker, right? Yes. Okay.
2: All right. Thanks, All right. For, thanks for listening, guys. Okay. That's, guy. um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's
0: right, gang. We get filmmakers on our show. Um, okay, so you're a filmmaker. What kind of movies do you, do you make?
2: I like everything, but uh, what I've done a lot of would be action. Action. Um, but okay. with hopefully with some substance and perhaps some satire and okay. some comedy, when appropriate.
1: Like, uh, are you a fan of Stephen Chow? His films. Kung I am I actually. He had
2: like Kung Fu Hustle had a decent balance of like surreal, but then like grounded stuff. Like when uh, he throws the deaf girl's lollipop, that was yeah. sad. I
1: felt that to be touching. Yeah, Kung Fu Hustle is. I, I think with repeat viewings has become even more amazing to me
0: oddly enough i have never seen it you'd, i think you'd I've it. everyone says that i would like it but it's just kind of fell through the cracks over the years <laughs> um
1: and shaolin soccer was good too
0: i did see that yeah. that was mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things where if you're not ready for it which i was not i mean i knew it was going to be funny i didn't think it was going to be that i mean it's it was crazy. I mean, it literally, <laughs> like, the people who made, like, everybody involved in it was, like, on some kind of weird drug. Where it's just like, yeah, I know what we're going to do. Let's combine soccer and a pleasant comedy with a crazy superhero movie or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> And what was the, wasn't, the thing I laughed at the hardest, I'd say, is when a character is talking about American drugs. Like, uh. uh the, bad the, bad the bad guys. The bad guys. are taking yeah. American steroids. <laughs> They're taking American <laughs> steroids. <laughs>
2: Um, so that's
1: the kind of movies you make, huh?
2: <laughs> um, not quite that crazy. But okay, you know, they they live in 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 a universe. Maybe not that universe. Okay, yeah. All but right. somewhere nearby,
0: somewhere in the. Okay, um, now you you have made uh, a short. You made a short film that was similar. That was kind of along those lines, right? And what was the name of that?
2: Well, the movie was called Undercut. And Undercut. It was a ninja political satire. Okay, um, which had a good response. It did the film festival thing, won a bunch of awards. And okay. um,
1: so you're really sticking it to the politics of ninjas? Well, it was actually... <laughs>
2: d- just it's gl- such
0: a bureaucracy over there. <laughs>
2: well, to gloss over it real quick, um, just like there's cops, there uh-huh. are ninjas as peace officers. And then it's a satire on outsourcing. So the American Ninja gets fired for cheaper, cost-effective Chinese <laughs> ninja labor. And then uh-huh. it, it shows all the ramifications. The American Ninja,
1: of course, being Michael Dudikoff. Absolutely. The sure. American Ninja films, <laughs> Sure.
2: Um <laughs> and it's a big satire on that uh I don't know y- you have to see it for yourself it's for sale at hkflix.com I don't know specifically how that's spelled but type in undercut and hk in google you'll find it I'm sure
0: now this uh this film undercut mm-hmm. available on hkflix.com mm-hmm. um it uh it has won it, it got you know some film festival recognition but it also won a very prestigious award or rather came in second place <laughs> That was the MTV Movie Awards. Yes. Okay. And so, what was, uh, when was that and what was the, what was that experience like?
2: In in 2006, MTV had a short film category and uh, they nominated the ambiguous first and second place nominees, us being second place. And uh, we actually, it was cool. They put us up in the Ritz Carlton and all this crazy stuff. We got to walk the red carpet and we got out of the limo right behind like Jessica Alba and all the paparazzi are there and they actually announce everyone getting out of the limo so it's like Jessica Alba and it's like chick 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 everyone's yelling it's like Jessica look over here snapping <laughs> these pictures and they're like Stephen Reedy and then I get out and all the paparazzi are like yeah yeah and everyone all at once they lower their cameras and they're just like Okay. And then like I just heard like grasshoppers chirping. And then I sort of walked away awkwardly. Where was
1: this? Where was it held?
2: Uh the Sony lot. Okay. Oh. In In uh, what Culver City? Is that right? Yeah, I used,
1: yeah. To, I used to work there. I went to the Christmas
2: party. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, that's very. That's, and you came in. You came in second, which yeah. is you know nothing to sniff at. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's very
1: exciting. But um, now talk some shit about the film that won. Come on. Yeah, no, you want to get Yeah, it off what your chest. one? Come on. <laughs>
2: uh I don't even remember what it was called, but it wasn't Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> no, exactly.
0: I mean, I remember yeah, it was Who's <laughs> talking about that? Uh, about that. We're talking about Undercut here. <laughs> Nobody even remembers the name of that that movie. It, well done, David. Good, <laughs> it, good call. It, it, it,
2: the, the movie, You know, I never saw the full thing. Um, but it, I do know it was a Dawson's Creek esque kind of drama thing. And I, I'm sure the dude has a future, the guy who made so it. So
0: let it, me get it. this straight. It's a short film, and you couldn't even finish it. That's how awful and <laughs> mediocre this thing was. But because it's, you know, it's the MTV Movie Awards, and it's like, hey, it's like Dawson's Creek, you know, you're not going to have to think too much about it. Then they're like, oh, first, first prize. Is that what you're telling me? Um, or if I. Can I just say the, uh, the opinions percent.
1: of Tyler Smith are not necessarily the opinions of Stephen Reedy? That's <laughs> whatever, you
0: know, you're on my show. <laughs> All right? Right. You will have my opinions. David has my opinions. It's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> it but, is pretty adorable. But
2: uh, but you know it, it was yeah, overall I'm not bitter about losing. It's not because I'm I'm happy with. See, I made that movie four years ago, and I'm very happy with my where my life has gone, regardless of that. And who knows? Maybe if I did win, I would have gotten hit by a car through some weird chaos theory right. Uh, <laughs> pathway, right? And then and then I wouldn't be here and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, talking you're into uh, the yellow microphone exactly you are uh recording a podcast for the second time in uh in the course of 40 <laughs> minutes so i mean you're uh, <laughs> you're really uh taken off anyway um so you you know you're a you're a filmmaker and uh i guess i'll go ahead and it's you know we we talked before so you know keep it fresh um <laughs> what would you who would you say you're you know it's when talking about, you know, a person's favorite films, like, there are movies that you love, but then there are also movies that you are influenced by. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, back when I was in school, I mean, it's like, yeah, I love Orson Welles. I do not make movies that couldn't be, you know, that uh, they couldn't be any further from his style. So, mm-hmm. like, are they kind of the same for you or are there filmmakers that you love and then there are filmmakers that you're influenced by? Who would, you know, who are some of your favorites?
2: Uh, let's see. Well, run or run movies, you can talk about movies yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, R- yeah, running through the movies uh, for me, they overlap because even if there's a movie I see, there's a like about Schmidt, which I think is a great, yeah, mm-hmm. balanced horror movie. I think it's a horror movie about not following your dreams. Uh, 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 for yeah, those I, of you who've seen, yeah. it. um, I don't think I would ever make a movie like that, but I respect it and yeah. I, I see the technique behind it and exactly why certain parts are slow and certain parts are fast. And it's like that's awesome, and you could always apply. Formulas that work or instances that work and apply them to other genres. Because, I mean, movies are movies, and it's it's. – I'm going to sound retarded. It's all about that human experience, right? Um, but ha- anyway, to answer your question, I like Old Boy. Uh, I like The Fountain. I like Moulin Rouge. I like mm. Fight Club. And uh, I respect Michael Bay movies a lot. I see their strengths and their weaknesses, but mm. I respect them. Um, and then uh, – D- Br- Did
0: you see Transformers?
2: I actually – cut. One of the trailers for it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that we'll get to that in a that minute. Let's <laughs> not. Uh, yeah. Don't. Don't. Don't but
0: ruin it. Um,
1: <laughs> what is this persona you've taken on? I this don't episode, not I don't think did. because I think
0: because <laughs> I've because we've you know spent some time together already. Uh-huh. I now feel you seem like the type that would be good natured about me all of a sudden becoming a jerk
2: for no reason. <laughs> That's okay. In fact, we should yell the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Can we throw things? Um. Yes. I almost insist on it. <laughs>
1: Whoa. The audience David could just, not hear my. Los David, David just threw, threw his hat. hat
0: that I believe you got as a present. David,
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's now, it has uh, crashed against the wall and <laughs> fallen to the floor to be no more. Um, <laughs> you know, but speaking of Michael Bay, I can't stand any, like any of his movies, but I, I think it, respect is a, is a is a good word to use. He, he's not he's not a hack, right? He's he makes films that I think are bad, but he has. I mean, I hate to use the word. He has like a vision of sorts (laughs) that he follows, and uh, I think that he can almost—it can almost be, in a way, even if you don't like his films, it can be inspiring that he makes them the way he does.
0: Well, and I think I think that's uh, that's my yeah. I think that's my main problem with with Michael Bay is that it's not so much. It's mostly a function of disappointment. Like he has talent and he has resources, Uh and so like you look at that and it's like. Oh, and he's chosen to make Bad Boys too. Yeah. He could have done it. You know, and I mean, I guess he did make Pearl Harbor. Like, maybe he was trying to branch out, and he wound up putting the Michael Bay touch on it, and wound up, uh, we talked about this episode one, you know, um, yeah. making a movie the that I would say is episode. almost immoral. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he is a guy who has, uh, he, it's, li- it's like when you are reluctant to say vision. He is a master of his craft. You know, it's just... i don't like what he chooses to use that craft for right
2: um whether in i i think what's interesting about that guy is like every different perspective could have such a full opinion like what you just said is extremely valid and and then uh, the the person the invisible person over here who loves everything he does could give an equally logical reason to love him and what's interesting is i think he's a visual master in terms of like what to do with light and all that and Mm -hmm. um I think one of the reasons Transformers, the CG, looked so good is because he was over the CG animator's shoulders making sure everything was perfect. Like, make sure this grain of sand that falls off of Scorponox's tail is going to gleam perfectly. You know what I mean? Uh, He knows what he wants, and uh, he's motivated. I think he gets to make the movies he imagines. Right. Because he has such a strong personality, I think he's able to just plow through it and and get what he wants. And uh, he sets a goal, and he achieves it to the fullest and that's really yeah. respectable. And then if you break down the formulas of what he does with action, uh a lot of people say it's indulgent and yeah. it doesn't always move the story along. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's really just blowing up cars, but no one spins a car better than that dude yeah. does, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's he's a filmmaker that you that is not easily discarded. He's not a forgettable filmmaker, you know what I mean? Like and that is to that's to his credit, you know? I mean, there's plenty of movies out there that are just mediocre and not that great and then you find out it's like oh it's directed by this person i've never heard of them I, you know it just it really just felt like they're going through the motions like you know i mean for all intents and purposes michael bay puts as much thought and energy into his movies as a hitchcock. martin scorsese or Hitch- yeah hitchcock is a great example yeah. cuz he's a guy who just exerts so much control you know um so you have to admire him. That's like he's not a lazy filmmaker, you know. Yeah, he like uh, I said, he's not a hack. No, no. Um, so okay, so some. Of what are some of the other uh, movies that you you know can look at and and point at and say like that's that's what I want to be and that's what I'm striving to be.
2: Um, I think the best like I'm I lately actually for the past year since it came out I've been on this Brad Bird thing because I think that guy is has the perfect balance of when to be indulgent mm-hmm. when to uh, not be indulgent to sacrifice amazing ideas for the good of the story, even though right. it would make him look awesome. And actually the audience would want that like extra sugar coating. He yeah. knows when d- he could perfectly pace it. And on that note, uh, I think Ratatouille was the best movie of th- of last year.
0: It was my favorite. I, I w- I'm not sure if I'd say it was the best, but it was my favorite. Right. Well, th- there you go. But it's I, up there. I, w- yes. I would
2: agree with that. Uh, that's a good way to, to put it. Um, and if you just watch his commentaries, like I watched The Incredibles commentary twice this week. I don't I don't know why, <laughs> but th- he just talks about some great things about like I said, he has so much self-control in when not to show off. Yeah. Like uh in Ratatouille there's that special feature of a it's a deleted scene where it's this amazing Touch of Evil type shot where it goes outside, you're outside Paris and it goes through and it, it subtly introduces you to all the characters in the kitchen and um it's important cuz you do need to know who's yeah. who. Some of the side characters are, and it does it shows it without telling it. It's economical, this yeah. that and the other. But the reason he cut it out is because it messed up the pacing, and also it's a story of Remy the rat, not the story of this godlike view of the kid. Exactly, it's
0: not from anybody's perspective. You know, um, he wanted to keep it from the point of view of Remy and uh, Linguini. You know, these two characters who are, you know, I mean that's that animatic is so fluid. And it does not match Remy or Linguini at all. Neither of them are fluid, especially Linguini. I mean, when we're introduced to the kitchen, we should see it as this intimidating, frightening place, the way they do. Um, and yeah, it would have been a beautiful sequence, but he, you know, he cut it out, and rightfully so, because it would have taken us out of the experience that we were having. Um, I mean, he did the same thing with the Incredibles. He, you know, there were a lot of deleted scenes. There was a part where he talked about there was a character that uh, was going to be killed. Um, and, but the character had to be introduced and then killed, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, the he wanted it to be that way so that he could show that, hey, these bad guys, they're not messing around. They'll kill people, you know. But he realized – and that's an important – you know, it's important to try and do that, to really, especially in, a, in an animated movie. Are you talking about the pilot? Of the the pilot? pilot, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, and so, you know, it's an important thing to do, but I think he realized, like, you know what? It would take too much time for me to introduce this character, make us care about him, and then kill him, you know. Like, so I could see his argument on both sides. It's important to m- show the vil- the villains as like they're willing to do this. But the fact that they shoot the plane out of the sky anyway, that has women and children aboard, I think that's enough. I think <laughs> right. uh, you know. I think he made the right decision. I think he's he has, and and Pixar in general. I mean, I think they will frequently. Ma- I'd say ninety five percent of the decisions they make are the right ones. Um,
1: <coughs> but speaking I of. Uh what to show and what not to show. You mentioned earlier you cut a trailer for Transformers. That right. was something you used to do, right? You used to yeah cut for, trailers.
2: Um, about thirteen months I cut trailers, and it w- it was it was this it was a great job, um, but it wasn't my dream. So <laughs> uh, you know I'll, I'll probably do it freelance throughout time, but uh, I had to go back to the filmmaking thing. But the trailer that that's such an interesting industry that has its vast rewards of oh my god that's in the theater how cool is that you know and then of course it's creativity meets marketing sometimes the creativity wins over marketing sometimes marketing just kicks the shit out of the creativity yeah you know it it all depends it's it's on a specific per movie basis and like you know if you're working with really a really awesome marketing department full of like amazing ideas or the opposite yeah
1: yeah but i i really like trailers um but uh like I know just because I see a trailer that I really like I know that doesn't necessarily mean that I'll like the movie. Right. But I like the trailer because the trailers are uh uh now this is something that you Steven said in our first attempt at this, but it's like a little abstract film. Uh you know, yeah. they're, they're they're little pieces of abstract experimental filmmaking and uh that's that's what I like about them. So I uh, I guess talk about like what you your experiences in cutting trailers and what you like in it what you were aiming for what you uh, what makes a good trailer what makes a bad trailer
2: yeah um well let's see I guess I'll, I'll go to first the first matrix trailer I think yeah. is the best trailer ever made in my opinion not just for the the style and the technical aspects of when to do what cuts and what music to use but it tell it shows you so much awesome stuff with a little bit of reason on why you're showing it but it doesn't tell you what the movie's about whatsoever. At all. Yeah. So you get to know some of these characters. You get to know they're in this crazy situation, and there's a good reason for that situation. But what is that reason? And then the trailer ends with the line, uh, "We can't tell you what the Matrix is. You have to find out for yourself." It's like yeah. that's why we see movies. That's yeah. why that's why trailers exist in the first place, right? Yeah. Instead yeah. of um, earlier, we're talking about the What Lies Beneath trailer yeah. or The Castaway, both Zemeckis movies, um, where they just. Give it all away. Yeah. We know he's off the island in the trailer. And whether you like it or not, you find out because you're stuck watching the trailer before a movie. And right. Zemeckis actually said um, something along the lines of America wants to know everything in a in, in the marketing campaign, which is unfortunate. So, And it doesn't mean it's his decision that they yeah. did that because, I mean, sometimes the editor has almost full control over what the trailer is like beginning to end. And and then sometimes it's the complete opposite where the marketing department – there are many filters of quality where it's a producer um, just for the trailer, and then there's the marketing department of the studio, and then there's the producers of the movie, and then the director. Sometimes, like, the actor, if it's a big actor who wants his hand in everything, and um, they all climb in. And then also there's, like, focus testing where they show a room of, like, 50 people the trailer, and then try and pull structure out of their opinions. And people, when they're in a room with 49 other strangers, aren't always good at giving their opinion. It's like, uh, I guess I kind of wish I knew what happened next. Uh Which is what you're supposed to wonder, but maybe that could get interpreted as, oh, we'll give away the whole movie in the trailer. Stuff like that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's like, well, you got to give them what they want. It's like, yeah, we'll do that with the movie. How about that? We'll just... Like, that's the whole principle of it is just... I mean, I remember... Uh, Cloverfield, Mm -hmm. which oddly enough, I haven't seen, but like I watched the trailer. I'm like, this is really, I am, they don't even give the damn name, you know, in the (laughs) original trailer. It's just like, I am really interested in seeing this. Now, granted, I didn't, but it's like that to me was like a good trailer. But I'm sure there's some who are like, hey, wait a minute, this guy, this guy over here, he wants to, he wants to see everything, you know, and we're not, we have to give people what they want. Like, I can imagine. Dave and I will sometimes talk about, like, the suits and stuff, and we wind up talking about some abstract studio executive <laughs> who may not actually exist. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I just imagine this guy, you know, Henry Universal or something, um, <laughs> who is just, like, constantly, with when it comes to trailers, just constantly torn of wanting to give people what they want, but wanting to hold it back, you know? And just, yeah. like, how much do I, what do I do? And then their head just implodes, and... That's the end. W- that's common,
2: head imploding. Yeah, <laughs> in the absolutely.
1: Industry. Well, now you said that that, it, that the uh, the level of influence varies from trailer to trailer. Mm-hmm. Would you say that a bigger name like a Robert Zemeckis or a Michael Bay or, you know, or J.J. Abrams, do they have more say because they're a bigger, a bigger name in the uh, trailer?
2: Oh, definitely. W- when there's bigger movies, it's a bigger risk for the studio. And, of course, the trailer is one of the b- – it's like the tip of the spear. In terms of like getting people's attention, so they, I mean, all they want to do is have a a big opening for the movie, and uh, it's there's a thousand different abstract ways to show a movie. So sometimes all these people pile in with varying opinions, and then there's compromise and this and that, and sometimes it's just a diluted thing, and you're not really getting the essence of the movie or why the movie is awesome. Then there are cases like, uh, but the Michael Bay's and J.J. Abrams are such powerful people in the industry that they do get say on what the trailer is. so it could go through that whole process of like you know the marketing department and other creative people going well it should be like this it should be like that at the end like these powerhouse directors could just go in and like put their fists to the table and be like it's gonna be this end of story yeah you yeah. know and i think that's why cloverfield the both trailers i thought the teaser and the trailer itself yeah. were right. awesome because uh, it didn't tell you anything but it, it gave you the sense of excitement and mystery and yeah. You know, the
0: I I'd, I'd say yeah, the last few years the the have been kind of the rise of the teaser. Um where like it's like oh the teaser's out let's all watch it on YouTube. Um and uh I don't know, like teasers are rea- I think I think teasers work best when it is something that everyone is aware of. Everybody's familiar with. You know, like I remember the teaser for Batman Begins like you know you you can't quite out make you can't quite make out the 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 bat emblem you mm-hmm. know and you hear you know you hear like screeching uh, screeching and you just and you hear all this stuff and you know and it's like the people who made the trailer they all know okay the audience's last memory of batman is batman and robin with george clooney right. that ridiculous movie we need to have a literally like a Thirty like a thirty second teaser that is going to make them forget that a, a reboot exactly. Yeah. we need to let them know without actually showing them any footage mm-hmm. or anything like that. We need to let them know w- this isn't a continuation of that. This is something new, and we need to give them faith in the franchise again. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely achieved it, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, and I work at a I, I intern at a place that I'm not actually allowed to say mm-hmm. where I intern, but like they they're doing it with uh with posters like they had a you know they make posters and they use that when it comes time to like pitch uh something and uh there was a, a poster of something else that I I can't give away <laughs> but it's it's an old i mean it's an old franchise from like the 40s and mm-hmm. something that everybody's heard of everybody mm-hmm. and so you know and mm. i'll t- i'll tell you afterwards but um doc savage sorry <laughs> audience <laughs> absolutely doc <laughs> savage um but uh and basically, what they do is they go into these meetings and they have the poster. And I've seen the poster, and it looks really awesome. And it's got the words right there, along with a really awesome image. And um, and they cover it. And basically, they do the pitch, and then they uncover it, and it's uh, it's a reveal. And they, you know, and I've I've heard that the you know the the executives that they pitch it to are always every time they see that reveal, they're just like oh, like they always make that noise. And that's the noise you make. At a t- at a good teaser of something right. you're already familiar with, you're like, well,
1: oh yeah. Well you know I want to talk talking. about my favorite teaser of the moment, teaser trailer that's out now, uh, is the 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 J.J. Abrams Star Trek teaser. Have you oh seen yeah, it? oh yeah. It's and you know the first time I saw it, I was I was like, that's not. I guess it wasn't what I expected, and I didn't feel that strongly about it. But the more that I think about it, and I've, I've watched it a few times, it's really amazing to me because uh, what. Because what they're doing is instead of just appealing to Star Trek fans, for those who haven't seen the, te- the teaser, uh, you see shots of a ship being put together, uh, along with audio of like historic space travel, you know, yeah. things that conjure up, you one know, one small step for man, yeah, yeah. all right. that kind of stuff. And then at the end, you see USS Enterprise, you know, and it, it's it's amazing me because instead of just appealing to you know what Star Trek is, you know, Star Trek fans, yeah, it. By using that that the grandeur and the to be honest the sort of patriotism that comes yeah. with Americans feelings about the space program yeah it gets at what made Star Trek popular in the first place yeah so you don't even have to care about Star Trek to to and you still feel like a fan because you're a fan of if you know like most Americans you're probably a fan of uh, space travel. Exa- I know I am <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm a big from the Earth to the Moon guy. I, I <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the
0: uh, like that. There's one where the, uh, I mean, Star Trek is synonymous with nerd at this point. Yeah. And there's a trailer and just everything associated with it as well. But like, there's a trailer where you could have like the most the freaking the most alpha male jock in the audience being like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome you know like it really kind of captures as you said what the original star trek was because that was right in the middle of like the space program and yeah. oh my gosh and you watch this and it's like oh wow the idea that we could reach this someday you know and so it uses stuff we're familiar with like the word enterprise and that kind of thing um and but it it incorporates it with other things and it's almost it has a short ta- uh, like a shorthand of being like hey you may think that this is all about comic book guy, but look at our, look at the history that this country has and this world has yeah. with space travel. It's not just nerds, all right? It's it, There was a time when this is, was the most amazing thing in the world, and it can be again. Just go see this movie, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It, it yeah,
1: and all in 30 seconds. Exactly. That, that's really what can be amazing about trailers. Yeah. Yeah, well,
2: uh, Star Trek, that teaser specifically, they rooted it in reality because... Don't kill me. I don't, I'd never watched Star Trek. I've right. never liked Star Trek. I was always the Star Wars kid, and uh-huh. I was always Sega Genesis and that Super Nintendo. Hey, <laughs> whoa, easy there. Because Mortal Kombat had the blood sheet, all right? Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Uh, loyal listeners know that I still own my Super Nintendo, <laughs> and I still <laughs> buy games for it. Thank you very much. Nice. All right? Nice. I just bought Doctor, a Dr. Mario Tetris uh, two in one. That is a all good right. One. That's
2: a very good see, one. See if you can I find agree.
0: that with your little uh, Sega Genesis. Oh, they don't have Dr. Mario. You know,
2: that, that's right. That's right. No, it, Dr. Mario is awesome. But okay. Okay, sorry. Go on. Go, go, going uh, back to it. it, it got me into it because with Star Trek, gives a slow reveal of what the ship is. So before yeah. you see the ship. Which, if you started the trailer with the ship, you'd be like, you instantly killed this half of the audience that didn't like Star Trek or doesn't like space movies. But you start it in the real world with just like a welder, a guy welding something. And you don't know what he's welding. And it's like, ooh, this is kind of interesting because the music and all that tells you so. And then you're hearing all this epic voiceover of things that we can relate to because it's real. It's actually actually, like one small step for man. And it's like, interesting. I wonder what this is. And then after like X amount of time, then they show the enterprise. Is like, wait a minute, this is all about star Trek because the non-movie door crew doesn't know they're about to watch a star Trek trailer. Yeah. It's like, what is this? What star Trek? I was actually excited about that. Maybe I'll give it a chance. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You know, and, as far as like, David was talking before about like you know really good movies, uh, really good trailers to movies that we don't like for our money, David introduced me to this, and I am on. I'm absolutely on board. All three Resident Evil trailers are great. Yeah, I mean, talk about mini movies. I mean, those are really
1: like you yeah, know. Are you familiar with, with the? With yeah, the yeah, resi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they did an interesting thing, much like uh, what I'm guessing is the Star Trek thing, where there's footage in the trailers that is not in the movie. Right. Oh, that
2: happens all the time.
1: But, I mean, not not like stuff that was unused, like stuff that was clearly shot for shot the specific. trailer. Yeah, that happens yeah. a lot, too. Because, uh, okay, I, well, I, I'm not going to go into it. We've talked at length about the original Whatever, go, in, go into gonna, it. But... Uh, um, you, okay, you, you, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Oh, Every, fair everyone's enough. seen okay. the, the you, Resident Evil trailer.
2: Now, th- okay. this makes me curious, though. Just, just the gloss over. it. What are some trailers that you guys liked in in the recent history that were like that you were really into, but maybe disappointed you when you saw the movie itself? I'm
1: trying to think.
0: Well, you know, um, I uh, I do. Uh, David and I have talked about this, uh, not on the podcast, but we've, you know, I like the Iron Man trailer. Mm-hmm. Up until up until a point, because it really does a good job of establishing. You've seen it, right? Yeah. yeah, Okay. It does a good job of establishing the character of Tony Stark and establishing Robert Downey Jr. as a man who can be a hero, and not (laughs) as Robert Downey Jr. But he's still in there, absolutely, Mm -hmm. with his sense of humor and all that. Um, And then like it gives us familiar iconography of like the original Iron Man suit, the big gray thing, Mm -hmm. the big clunky looking thing, you know. And then it gives us. And then to let us know that it doesn't take itself that seriously, it incorporates Iron Man by Black Sabbath, which is, si- but that's the thing is, it. I think it's, d- I think it uses that song tongue in cheek, but I, but I say that knowing full well that there are probably some people in, I don't know, Nixon, Missouri, who, uh, who, that's what he's I, uh, oh, sorry, um, I forget that you're not a listener, but you will I be after now. this, absolutely, um, <laughs> So I could see some people watching that trailer and being like, uh, "It's like, oh yeah, man." It's like I wasn't really on board because I'm not a comic book queer, but man, if they know Sabbath, <laughs> I'm on board. You know, so I drive my truck to the theater. Exa- absolutely, <laughs> um, but like, so I li- I even liked the use of that song because I think they used it with a sense of humor. Um, but then it shows him like just flying around and flying as fast as a jet and i get the point of that like it's it's completely quiet except for him flying and then you see that he's flying as fast as a jet and then he freaking leaves the jet in the dust i i get why that is a powerful image and i understand i understand that but it's one of those things where it's like it's trying to impress us with like a cgi effect that we have seen already we've seen that kind of thing before mm. it's not as impressive like there are a lot of people who are like i don't get it he's just flying around and it's just like yeah 30 years ago that would have been amazing yeah. but like right now it's nothing we haven't seen before i understand within the context of the story like oh that's how fast this guy in a suit is flying like mm. that's amazing but it's just not handled in an amazing way and so it kind of loses you along the way
1: well i'll tell you what trailer i'm already geared up to be disappointed with before i love the speed racer trailer. love the speed racer trailer <laughs> it's awesome. And I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, I don't make prejudgments about movies. I try not to. So I'm not going to say oh that movie's going to suck, but I know given the way that the Matrix movies sort of fell off as they went, I know that Speed Racer has very much has the potential to suck. But that trailer is fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> Did you see the trailer?
1: Oh,
2: hell yeah, with BT's uh, <laughs> It's funny because it's the Fast and the Furious score right. that oh, BT yeah. did for a section of it. That was a cool trailer, and I have faith in that movie for being maybe a guilty pleasure. Like, yeah. yeah, well, I don't know. It could be awesome. We don't know. It's a te- there's right. a teaser yeah. out there. I mean, yeah. it could be dark. It could be. I'm imagining it's going to be a kids movie.
0: Yeah, that yeah. if
2: you are eight years old watching that movie, it's going to be the coolest thing ever. You know yeah. what I mean? Remember watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two Secret of the Ooze? Absolutely. <laughs> and Vanilla yeah. Ice starts With Toka and Rezar?
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. And,
2: and Vanilla yeah, but Ice one was so Casey cool.
1: Jones. That was the only thing. That's that true. I did even like, like Casey Jones. As, a, as being that age, I was like, why isn't Casey Jones in this one? It's like they've got
0: this Kung Fu Pizza guy. Come on. Now I'm sure you probably <laughs> would have liked that, but you know, I like the guy in the hockey mask and the you know.
1: But he comes back in the third
0: one. Yeah, but he's a, he's that's a bad one, right? But,
1: <laughs> but and
2: anyway, so Speed Racer, I don't know, we'll see. But that was a cool trailer. I agree. Yeah. It, it got me excited when putting my mindset in that of a little kid going, "Hey, yeah, I see who would love this movie."
0: And it's only after the trailer is done that I realize, like, you know what? The only way the movie can live up to this trailer is if it ha- is is if it maintains the level of intensity and energy that this trailer has, which it cannot possibly. Um, because it's just so, I yeah, mean, I unless guess...
1: Unless it maybe it's dialogue-free. <laughs> dialogue-free
0: uh, and directed by Baz Luhrmann, well, Um which well. we know it's
2: not. What's interesting also, first, that's a teaser, and it, it came out a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, so editors work with the dailies. The money shots are usually heavily CG'd, right? Yeah. Right. Sometimes those aren't done in time for the teaser, or even the trailer. So there could be just some amazing moments in there yeah. that w- will instantly, you see, like, two shots. It's like, I'm there but maybe it wasn't done yet. So I'm assuming if if hopefully there's another trailer, uh yeah, we'll, we'll I see that stuff and be sold on it or yeah. not or <sighs> be or start throwing up the second we see something happen, right? This yeah. makes
1: you think that there's a, there's a line to be drawn. Obviously you want to get the trailer out there as soon as possible, you know, but should you should they maybe wait until the CG is more complete? Because I remember I'm just talking specifically about when the Hulk the first Hulk trailer came out. Right. A lot of people were complaining about how awful the cg was in the trailer mm-hmm. you know and it obviously just wasn't completed yeah uh but did that and that movie famously you know didn't do as well as it was expected to mm-hmm. yeah uh do Cause you think that added to it at all
0: yeah because everyone was saying it's like oh the hulk looks like shrek and then you actually watch the movie and it's like and some people still said oh he looks like shrek it's like yeah he's big and green <laughs> he's not gonna look real But sorry, looks like Gumby too. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a defender of the Hulk. But
2: right, well that that's a very that's another specific like per movie thing because maybe there is I don't remember what movies were coming out like six months before Hulk, but maybe Mm -hmm. there was that super movie like a Star Wars or something. It's like everyone's going to see Star Wars if the trailer's in front of it. Everyone's going to see this trailer. It doesn't matter. We got to rush this thing out. Yeah. But other times it's like they just want the trailer out asap or just. Three months before it comes out in theaters, mm-hmm. we'll just put it on something. You know, it's like every single one is different, and there, there's so many decisions, like thousands, hundreds of thousands of decisions behind that, leading, like, well, the CG's not done, but it's passable, and most of America won't notice. Maybe we'll do this. Or, no, that's unacceptable. We can't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like...
0: Now, in the way that you cut together a trailer, mm-hmm. um, like, did you find, I mean, even, I mean, it has to be different for every movie, of course, but... Did you find that you had certain like signature things? Like you know, it's, it's like, it's like, well, I feel like you need to establish reality first, and then we'll introduce the situation of the film. Or d- was it really just different for every movie?
2: Uh, every movie is different, and I, I had the fortune of doing different genres. Um, uh, yeah, it, it all depends. Like, and of course, the bigger movies, like. Like the Transformers one I, I didn't do the American trailer, I did the Japanese trailer and okay. and even that was taken heavily from the American trailer, just to be yeah there. um there's so many dec- people making decisions on that it, it's hard to like as an editor have a vision, but then there is a trailer that um well smoke and aces, oh yeah if you guys saw that the, th- one of them there are a bunch of trailers for it uh I pretty much gotta do what I wanted. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, does that answer cool. your question? What was uh, well, I mean,
0: I guess the, the question is like when you when somebody says, here, I need you to cut this, and then mm-hmm. you – I mean, I assume you – want do you watch the whole movie or do you just watch what they give you?
2: Uh, w- either or. Yeah, sometimes, okay. sometimes it's just dailies, and yeah. you kind of have to guess what's going on. And sometimes, okay. like, um, movies with a lot of s- secretive twists, they just give you only what they want in yeah. the
0: trailer. Right. Um, but, like, when somebody gives you this stuff, I mean, do you always approach it the same way? Do you always – Say it's like okay, before I even show some of the you know some of like the money shots and stuff before I even do that mm-hmm. I need to establish who these characters are like you were talking about with Star Trek it establishes reality first and mm-hmm. that's why it works mm-hmm. do you find that you always start with a basis like okay first we are going to establish the time the you know the setting of this movie and then we'll and then we'll go into what happens I mean did you did you approach each trailer. With a similar idea, with a similar, uh, you know, kind of a like a working, I don't know, a working set of ideas. Like, were you just like, okay, this is how I approach it at first, then I'll tailor it for each movie, or were you, ri- or was each trailer that you cut just a complete blank slate? I mean, you just had to do it different every single time.
2: Um, well, I actually, it's it, it's been each way. Some trailers, I sat down and I I actually wrote myself essays on like why it should start like this okay because it's like maybe this world isn't relatable the audience needs to at least get to know it a little bit or maybe this character isn't likable unless we have him do something funny in the beginning because comedy is a good way to like someone instantly Mm -hmm. right so it's like okay maybe we should start with some comedy or um it's like this is this is actually in well like planet terror um this is actually a Quirky kind of action movie, but yeah. you got to start in the tone of horror because it is horror right. based, and people need to know that it's horror before you bust into the action and right. like have fun with it. That way, you know what yeah. I mean. E- everything's different. Uh, yeah. It's it's hard to give. In, there's no formula for that. No. Every movie needs its own special care and right. breastfeeding.
1: This is the thing actually that I want to uh, talk about. We got kind of got to wrap up pretty soon, but um, I noticed this with uh, especially recently with um the P.S. I Love You TV trailers, and I know the Good Luck Chuck trailers did this too, where there are essentially different versions of the trailer mm-hmm. that make the movie look like it's different things. Oh, oh yeah.
2: without a doubt, because it depends. Are you watching it during Oprah, or are you watching <laughs> it during exactly. uh, Monday Night Football? You know what yeah. I mean? And that's, that's a huge thing. They actually do... You know demographics. They cut guy spots, just for dudes. You know what I mean. Don't need to talk about the plot. Just show the best action and the fastest music. And then maybe for like uh, stay-at-home moms, you know, who watch Oprah, you do something different and you show maybe more female characters to make it relatable. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean. And and for every, sometimes it gets ethnic. Sometimes it's age. Whatever. And these, once again, specific to every movie. Some movies, they don't need the sell to the moms. Some yeah. movies, they don't need the sell to the dudes. I don't think they cut in a Monday Night Football UFC version of, P.S. I love you, <laughs> right? right? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine I, I, uh, with 300, and I don't know anyone who worked on that, so I, it's all assumption, uh, there was the queen. Yeah. So I'm sure the, the spots that showed for female demographics had a lot of her. Being a strong female yeah. that you could look up to and relate to, right? right? Right, but
0: and like and like in uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, there's that coat check girl. <laughs> <laughs> right? So um, sorry, go on.
1: Anyway, uh, but do you when you're? I mean, obviously you don't do this uh, anymore, or at least not all the time. Um, do you feel bad when you when you have to do stuff like that? Do you ever feel what, like you're tricking, like you're tricking people? L- lie to America? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes and no.
2: Uh, I've been. I won't say on what, but a bunch of friends like. We're like, give me my 10 bucks back. (laughs) But then that's like the greatest compliment. Yeah, you're able to
0: dupe your own stupid friends. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's, I mean, I I guess, I don't know if it's good or bad to lie Hmm. to America. Sometimes you don't have to, I don't know. I, no, I don't feel bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a compliment when people tell me I like. it's
1: mostly bad to lie to America, <laughs> yeah. but in this case, probably pretty innocuous. Exactly. I mean, but if, that's, uh,
2: if you're paid to do it, I, I,
0: I don't <laughs> see any problem with it.
2: Right. And, and, and th- maybe paid and well, no less. Maybe they'll
1: bring out the journalists and people
2: so they go to IMDb and look at who actually wrote it and who made it and go, wait, I hated the movies this guy made. I hated the movies these people wrote. Why would I see this? Right. Good, well, good for you. I don't
0: if know. That, whatever, you know. Whatever keeps you... Sleeping at night, just <laughs> that you believe that they're going to go out and do well, that. They like do I said,
1: it. we gotta kind of gotta wrap up. But uh, you, you know, we talked about undercut, but you're working on other stuff mm. now, right? Yeah. So uh, talk uh, briefly about that, and wh- where we, where and when we can expect to to find that.
2: Oh, um, well, let's see. I. I've gotten into comic book writing, so I have a couple books through Image coming out. One's called Pop Gun, Volume 2. It comes out this June. Another one is called Outlaw Territory, which is a Western anthology with some really cool writers behind it. I don't know what I'm doing there. That comes out in September, also through Image. And there's some other stuff I I can't talk about yet. But additionally, uh, I'm doing the, the movie thing for a production company out of Warner Brothers called HD Films. And they're working on all sorts of stuff which n- none of which I could talk about, so <laughs> it's sort of weird to, to say that, but uh, I will be making new stuff and blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. blah. And ho- if people hear about it, that'd be cool. Okay. If not, then uh, then I've just wasted the past 30 seconds.
1: All right. Well, hopefully we'll see you at the MTV Movie Awards again. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or the Razzies. Ah.
2: But you know what? You, you're not going to be getting
0: any number two spot, all right? At I, r- I can tell you're going places <laughs> number one at the MTV Movie Awards. You'll thank get that big bucket of popcorn, or whatever the <laughs> hell they do. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I, I
2: appreciate that. If no problem. Cool. All right. Well <laughs> thanks thanks for note, coming. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, it was, thanks, it was a good time. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks for, listening.
1: for listening. Goodbye. Bye.